Hey everyone, welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. And today I am so excited to introduce a really, really special guest to the show, Amina Taha. Amina is a yoga teacher and practitioner, mother and co-founder of Living Room Yoga Sessions, a platform to encourage a daily practice of love, non-attachment, and faith. To Amina, yoga is about uncovering the infinite possibility within your body and mind. And in addition to all that, Amina is just one of my favorite people and yoga teachers on the planet. She has such a beautiful practice and such a big heart and a kind soul. And so I'm really, really excited that she's here to chat with us today. So thank you, Amina, and welcome. Thank you so much for all the sweet words. I'm so happy to be on your podcast as well. Yeah, I was so excited when we crossed paths. I I first met Amina um, at one of her classes at Aloe Yoga in New York um, in their Soho studio. And I mean, she's just one of the, you're, you're just one of those people that like right off the bat, you feel so warm around and, um, you know, add to that, that you have such a beautiful yoga practice and style of teaching. And I'm, I'm so glad As that we you. met. Your practice oh. is amazing. And we connected right after class, like right away. <laughs> it was like instant. Yeah. It's just one of those connections. I, lo- I love <laughs> one that. One of those connections. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love the way the universe yeah. works. So yes, I love that. One of the things that I know you and I have talked about, which I'm really excited to bring to this show a little bit more, because I've, I've brought different yoga teachers and yogis on here to share about their um, journeys with yoga and their experiences and what it's taught them. Um, and I love dispelling different myths about practicing yoga for people who are new, um, maybe listening and they've, they've tried it a couple times and they're not sure it's for them or if they've never tried it and they feel intimidated by it. Um, and I know that you're somebody who, you know, you haven't been practicing yoga since you were a teenager. Um, it's, we were kind of joking about this. It's not like it came later in life for you. You were still pretty yeah. young when you started, but you were able to develop. Like, Relatively young. Yeah. And you developed like such a deep practice um, in that amount of time. So I'd love for you to share like what first led you to yoga and, and what inspired you to stick with it? So I, I was actually just about to start a new fashion, like my first job ever, my first like nine to five job. And it was a fashion job. And so it was like, you know, not anything related to yoga at all. But I went and interviewed and I, you know, was, I had a month to kill basically until I started the job so in that month I was like what should I do like I literally had like no specific plan and (laughs) for some reason I thought of yoga and I googled like a yoga studio nearby uh, where I was at the time in Abu Dhabi there weren't that many I just went into a class it was a half a flow an intermediate class and it was intense it was really really intense but it for some reason afterwards like I, I just remember until now like the feeling of Shavasana where I felt like like I was floating, like it was this strange relaxation that I had never felt in my life before. And I wasn't even like, you know, inspired by it. Like, I, I mean, you can do so many cool things through your yoga asana practice, but that wasn't really what led me to doing it. I think I just felt so relaxed and so intrigued by the breath and by the, you know, the stillness and all these different components that came together in class that I was like, I'm going to come back to this. This is something I want to do. <laughs> and I just kept going, um, for that month until I, I, you know, started the job. 
once I started the job, I didn't have the time, the luxury of the time to go as, as, as much as I wanted. So I would try to fit it in before my work. And then when I would go home, I would just practice on my own. And sometimes I wouldn't even be able to make it to class. So I started like using apps and any kind of videos, any kind of sources that I could get my hands on to continue my practice. I was just very passionate about it because I could see and feel that this was something very transformative. Hmm. What were, yeah, what were some of those things that you were feeling starting to shift or transform for you? I was feeling like I was understanding my body and for the first time. And I was, I think the biggest thing was fear. Like I had always thought that there are some things that you just, you, if you haven't learned them as a child, you just can't do them. <laughs> it was like, I would see, you know, people doing like handstands or headstands or anything like that. Just even moving with trust with your body. I never had that before. And I had never done anything like sports related or so for me to be able to do that through yoga, it was, it was a lot of like confidence building and a lot of overcoming fear and working with yourself and like trusting yourself and your abilities. And that obviously is physical, but then it also kind of started to seep into my, my, um, my mental and emotional world as well. I, I started to build this trust within myself and it, it was, it, it, it was really interesting. The shift was happening quite fast. I love that. Yeah, that's, and that's cool that you were able to feel that right away. Cause I, I know for some people, like it's, it's like that it's, it's just a catalyst. Like as soon as they start yoga, they feel this transformation happen. And, and then for other people, it takes them a little bit longer to get to that point to realize that it's so much more than a physical practice. So it's, yeah, I, th- it's, I think important to stick it, with it until you get to that point. <laughs> yeah, true. And it's, it's a fun thing. I think that sometimes like for me, I had all these questions from before. Like, I, I always wonder, like, what is the proper way to breathe? What is the proper way to... I had all these questions on my mind. And I felt like yoga answered a lot of these questions. or was giving me a lot more clarity about things that I had always been wondering about, but never knew where to search for them, if that makes any sense. So yeah. it was, it was, that was a little, that was deeper than, the, than just the postures. But more than that, it's also, it's really fun to do yoga, I think. Sometimes we get attached to, we want to be able to do this. We want to be able, like, why is this not happening? We get a little attached. And I think just detaching and realizing that it's a fun process and that the process is what it's all about can help kind of give you that, like, separation from wanting your practice to look and feel a certain way. Yeah, I think that's such an important lesson especially for I mean really at any any stage or any level however long you've been doing yoga that's so important to remember because Mm -hmm. when you're new it's easy to compare yourself to you know more intermediate or advanced people and think like oh well why can't I do that yet and then when you're advanced it's easy to say well like why can't I do that next really hard thing yet so yeah you have to be mindful of that always yeah and it's it's really like I I was sharing this the other day um in in like a Q&A but I was saying like it's such a blessing to just be able to be doing these things we we're not entitled to be doing you know these fancy postures this is a, such a privilege and and it's humbling it's not something that we are owed oh that's such and, a beautiful way to put it I love that <laughs> because you feel like oh I've been spending all this especially as you get a little more like experienced with yoga you've been doing it for years you feel like oh I've been working on this for so long why isn't it happening it's like you, your body doesn't owe you this. This is something that, yeah. you know, it, it could be mental blockage. It could be physical, it could be whatever. And this is a way for you to understand your body a little better. But it's not like it's a guaranteed thing. 
I love that so much. And I've never thought about it in that way, but like reflecting back on my own journey with yoga, I think I've had to come to that realization because I've been practicing yoga for over 15 years. And I I was (laughs) fortunate that I found it at a young age or it it found me at a young age. And I loved it right away. But there have been so many points where I've yeah, gotten frustrated. Like I've been doing this for years. Why can't I do that yet? And then I take a step back and I think like, you know what? Like, it's really beautiful to just be able to be in my body and flow on my mat and everyone's bodies are so different. Like it it would be so silly to expect them to be, to all be the same same and be able to do the same poses and look the same way doing them. But I just love the way you put that, that it's, we're not entitled (laughs) to be able to do postures. Like, just being able to show up on your mat and breathe is such a gift it's such a gift and it's also like you're um celebrating all the small little things that you accomplish as also you get more advanced and more experienced I think is really important like before when you first start the learning curve is pretty high and you can do all these things that you you know you never thought you could do like suddenly you're like bouncing in a crow or (laughs) you're always on that high but then I feel like as you gain more experience it's a lot more subtle than little things that you're able to achieve like maybe you're calmer in a pose maybe you're you know you're like it's different for everyone but it's still important to still stay connected to that like pride and like you celebrate the little things like oh I had a good practice today I you know even if it's less obvious I feel yeah. That's what I try to do, at least with my, my own practice. <laughs> oh, that's such a great lesson to remember. What are, some, what are some other of the big lessons that your practice has, has taught you and provided you? Um, another big lesson, I would say, is to, um, I think, to that. So for, at first, I was really strict with my asana practice. I would have to do it every day. It was like, you know, this is the way that things like my day has to go but um one of the things that has kind of changed or evolved because of being a mother is that your practice is not just your practice when you're on your mat it's your practice is whenever you're being mindful of your breath whenever you're creating that separation between your constant thoughts that are always coming up so I think that's one of those things that you just um that for me has like been taken from my yoga practice and off the mat that I don't have to be strictly on my mat for two hours or an hour every day for me to be feeling like oh I'm you know I'm doing yoga I'm 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 doing this thing that makes me feel good I can still apply that feeling and sensation by just being you know applying so I guess another way to put it is not the asana practice is not the only way so like if I'm injured I, I mean it's not like I have gotten injured but just as an example for like someone who is if you're injured or if for whatever reason like pregnant I wasn't really getting on my mat that often so if something is preventing you time or physical or anything like that from getting on your mat that it's not just accessible there you can't you can attain all these things just by being mindful that was one of my like biggest uh, realizations I guess but it was very recent that I realized this <laughs> like a year ago Yeah, and I'm sure that's something I wanted to ask you too, like how, how you had to evolve your practice and and your relationship to it throughout, you know, getting pregnant and then growing in your pregnancy and then having a baby, a newborn and then a toddler, like how that has changed throughout the last couple of years um, and, and like what that has felt like for you. Yeah, it, it, it changed my, my priority, like 
um, also my in my first trimester I wasn't able to get on my mask I was I was meditating more often so I like kind of meditation and asana uh, switched roles for me and it's 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 just allowed me to be more flexible with it and and knowing that I can be as mindful doing my house chores like doing my laundry doing what caring for my baby just being present I think is the biggest lesson like I used to always be somewhere else like as I guess we all are sometimes like your mind is just taking you on these journeys and and I feel like when you're with your like the biggest lesson that yoga has helped me is when I'm with my baby I'm acting from a place of intent and presence I'm not reactive I'm not especially as a toddler when they're like knocking things down and (laughs) and having knockdowns and tantrums and it's easy to just be reactive but instead just coming more to a grounded place of acting with intent thinking before you act and it's it's a purposeful communication it's not just a reactive one yeah that's that's that kind of a big uh, gift (laughs) health yeah yeah I I can't even imagine being a mother without having done yoga really (laughs) it makes such a difference (laughs) and does your son like when you're practicing at home does he ever try and like copy the poses you're doing does it seem like he has an interest in yoga he has a huge interest yeah my husband has been doing um these yoga classes on an app and whenever he sees the ipad he just and the mask like rolled out he just goes himself and goes and does a down dog on the mask oh my he's been gosh. trying to say om like that like in the app oh <laughs> Definitely my God. Interested. that is so yeah cute. <laughs> so cute and how how old is he now he's 14 months okay so yeah. is it do you think it's something where like you'll try to get him into kids yoga classes as he grows up like and, and continue to try to bring him into that world too or just if he is asking for it then then you'll I think I would with him. I think I would I would take him to a kids yoga classes or at least I, we would do it together at home because I really believe in in the benefits of it and I think even just teaching him to be aware of his thoughts and just teaching him you know to to breathe like these things I think are really important for kids um so I would but if he's not interested I wouldn't push it but if he's open to it I would kind of uh you know like um what's the word like encourage him <laughs> to do it yeah yeah because I mean kids need that mindfulness just as much as we do and teaching them how to be you know more in tune with their emotions and and like to have that slower mindful practice and being able to to breathe and like take a second when they need it is so powerful it is so powerful and their brains are soaking up everything that we're teaching them. And I feel like if we introduce something like this at a young age, um, I was reading in one of my parenting books and I'm, I'm not very good with the sciencey terms, but it's something along the lines of the neurons that fire together, like start to wire in that same way. So if I, for example, teach him that when he's angry, he can communicate to me and that he can you know, calm himself down by breathing, then it's kind of, it becomes like a pattern in his brain that when he's angry, this is what he does instead of act out or, and I'm sure it's not a perfect process. I haven't gotten to, to that stage where it's like my, my child is at that stage where he's actually having these like real emotional tantrums. He's still very young, yeah. but it's interesting to learn about how, like if you start to apply mindfulness um, to your mindfulness practice to your children, they start to, like it helps them in everything as they grow older because their brains literally become acquired like used to that yeah and could you imagine if we were able to raise like a whole generation of kids like that like how much that would change the planet 
that would change everything. And and they also, I think it's also important how we are in front of them because they, they mirror what they see us doing. Like I was reading that if you, for example, break a cup and you're really hard on yourself when that cup breaks and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like your kid will learn that type of behavior. Hmm. Whereas if you're forgiving and kind to yourself and you're generally just more, um, I guess, aware and, and mindful, I, I guess they imitate that. So it's inspiring to, to know that so that we can also like see what we're doing and how we can, how they, they're going to reflect on how we are. Yeah, especially in those early years, like they learn everything from just watching and absorbing the world around them. Everything, the tone of your voice, like it's a, it's a little bit scary. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. I can imagine. But it's also like being honest with like not always trying to be perfect like being upset is okay like you know be- dealing with your emotions I guess is also a part of it yeah and you mentioned that your your husband practices yoga too that's great that you're both modeling that for for your son that's uh, he, he's seeing he, it like he, your parents yeah yeah I, I love that it's both of us not just not just me right now did he get into it because of you or was he practicing yoga like before you guys had met no, he got into it because of me and he he was always very inspired by, because he was like, when I first met you, your lifestyle was so different. <laughs> you weren't very healthy. You were inflexible. You couldn't carry your grocery bags. And now wow. look, <laughs> he's like really inspired. So he, he's been uh, like, he's been doing more meditation, but now recently, very recently, he started like a, an asana practice as well. That's a big shift. Like you, you kind of just skirted by that, but like from going from not being able to carry your grocery bags, yeah. like the strength you build by, by committing to a physical practice. I feel like those are little things that make such a big difference in people's quality of life when they are able yeah. to stick to a practice like this. That's Very true. Cool. <laughs> it's sometimes uh, it's like worth mentioning in classes when you say like, like shoulder opening you're going to be able to zip your own dress or like you're you know holding your planks or whatever it is like getting stronger like these things can help you in your daily life it can make life easier and sometimes people do need that that additional or external motivation for what they're doing um well it's it's always internal motivation but like having another reason like of wanting to be stronger more mobile or be able to get down on the ground and play with your kids more easily like those kind of things can be really inspiring for somebody to stick to a practice yeah and and one of my favorite teachers says Jared McCann he said in his last class that I took by him he was like yoga makes getting old impossible <laughs> and it's so true because <laughs> you're like in the grass like you and I were talking about like being in the grass doing handstands like you stay young you stay like especially if you have kids it's important to still see the world from, kind of from their eyes and I feel like just playing in the grass, doing your handstand, doing things like that, it helps you. It's such a, like, such a cool thing to be able to do when you're older. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of yoga teachers say as well, like talking about how you're really only as old as your spine is mobile and like yeah. how much <laughs> creating mobility in the spine can prevent like the signs of, and symptoms of aging. Yeah. That kind of stuff is, is definitely... an important part of the practice for sure yeah it's it's uh it's interesting to also see like different different kind of schools of um i don't know how to say like fitness or what's the word (laughs) it's like different like for example i took this frc class uh certification thing 
a few months back and they were saying how you're like moving your joints and all the directions that they are able to move keeps them young and healthy so it's like I guess it's the same with with yoga and with your spine like that's what kind of I guess that kind of explained to me a little better what keeping your spine um mobile means it's to is that it's designed to have this range of motion and we're supposed to use it Mm -hmm. yeah and I love that you mentioned that too because this is something I've talked about with some other yoga teacher friends and yogis that like yoga itself is an amazing practice but like physically it's actually not a complete practice because you are only moving in certain planes of motion and you're you're not using like all the directions your muscles and joints are supposed to use to go so like it's amazing yes. to have a consistent yoga practice but I know that you've recently gotten into more strength training and like that can be such a great way to balance out a yoga practice and like balance out mobility with strength yes exactly that's very true and it's like you said it's also important as yoga teachers to explore a little bit outside of just the traditional um, things that we've been taught to also add in movements that maybe aren't taught regularly in a yoga class like I've seen that hip flexor strength is quite weak in yoga. Mm -hmm. We don't really take our leg in that, or even like um, outer hip strength is also weak in yoga. So it's like adding in these things that you as a teacher feel like you needed in yourself, maybe you pass it on to your students. Yeah. What are some of the most common questions that you get asked as a yoga teacher by your students? I get asked, I guess on, on like Instagram, for example, I get asked how, how long a pose will take to achieve. <laughs> I get asked that question a lot and uh-huh. I never have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I guess that's the most common one is people want to know like a range of time of how things will last. That's a, that's um, a good one to, another good myth <laughs> to dispel. Like there's no like recipe for if you do this, it'll no. take exactly this many months or whatever. <laughs> at all like it's such a difficult uh question to answer um yeah i guess what's the more most common one i'm trying to think of others other questions i definitely get that one a lot when it comes to handstands people are like okay how long does it take you to handstand and i'm like that is such a vague question like (laughs) like, that's really hard to answer it's tempting to ask you that though i want to ask you that too (laughs) take me to have your handstand but that's how I feel like about your hollow backs and like a lot of your back <laughs> I guess it's about what you focus on. If you do exactly. it something obsessively, you will get it faster than if you do it not yep. so often. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, I have practiced handstands for a long time, but it wasn't until I decided to, decided to do drills every day for a whole year that I got like press handstands really solid. So, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like Every if you day. focus on it. Yeah, I was doing yeah. drills daily, <laughs> and That's like amazing. sometimes just a couple minutes of them. I would just add them into yeah. my workout or do them, you know, at home if I had five minutes. But like, yeah. it was a good solid year of conditioning before I I felt like okay, it's muscle memory now. Yes, I need I need to do that. A year of conditioning. Yeah, <laughs> you inspired me. <laughs> we can work on it together. We can. I can uh, help you with your handstand conditioning, and you can help me with your my I'll back. Help you hollow back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hollow backs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, so something- everyone will have like their own. I guess like you're drawn to certain things, and it's easy to work on what you're drawn to, and kind of ignore the stuff that you're not naturally drawn to. <laughs> but it's important to find the balance. 
Yeah, I was talking with one of my other friends the other day who's a yogi and she has like an amazing middle split, like just really, really open pancake and like frog pose. Like her, she's just really open in that way. And I'm so not, and I've always wanted to be, but it like yeah. really uncomfortable for me to stretch my middle split. So I never do it. And she's like, you're never ever stretched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. But it's also because we, we never take our legs in that direction. Like, if you think of front splits, it's when you're walking, you're doing a tiny front split every time you walk, right? Yeah. Like, your legs are going in that direction. But we never just, in our everyday movements, we don't take our legs out that way. So it just feels so unnatural for so me unnatural. to do it too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm the same as you. My middle split has not improved in five years. <laughs> yeah. I, part of me is like, maybe I just have to accept like my body's not meant to do that and then part of me is like no I think if I did the work every day for a year maybe it open a little bit more so I don't know yeah you would yeah um okay so one other thing I'm really curious about is I know you've definitely had like the pleasure of experiencing yoga in um different countries and on different continents and so I'm, I'm curious to if at all, how the yoga communities and practices differ in different countries, or if it's just kind of like this universal language that is familiar everywhere you go. I think it's definitely, I would definitely say that it's familiar everywhere I go and that it's a universal language. I haven't um, been, I haven't like, for example, taught or attended a yoga class in Asia. So I'm not sure, for example, like what I, what I can reference is my own experience, which is not that um, wide of like places I've been teaching yoga. But for example, like Egypt, I teach there a lot when I go back. It's my hometown. And I would say that there's a lot of similarity. And yeah, like it's, 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 crazy it's almost like your home in a yoga studio anywhere you go in the world it's, it's kind of so cool. it's, it's similar yeah it's, it's very similar yeah that's something I haven't gotten to experience all that much I've I've probably only taken a couple yoga classes um while traveling in like western Europe and and other than that haven't experienced yoga in other parts of the world so I'm always curious to see like if if it's you know attracts similar type of people if the energy and the community is the same if you know that is just kind of like a language that everybody speaks yeah but yeah that's really interesting to think about I think especially if you're focused on a specific type of yoga like vinyasa for example or ashtang like I feel like if you're if especially if you're like an ashtanga student wherever you go in the world to an ashtanga studio it's yeah. going to be the same. it's going to be kind of similar same vibe especially that it's the same poses or vinyasa I feel like yeah, I can get creative and different in ways, but it's still the same kind of structure in some ways. Yeah, I could be wrong, I'm not sure, but <laughs> that's kind of my, my, my take on it. <laughs> Is there anywhere in the world that you like have on your bucket list that you'd really love to go practice or teach at? I, I just really want to go to Japan, <laughs> just in general, and I, I'm sure I would love to take a yoga class there as well. And I, I'm really interested in taking a yoga class that's not in English. And just seeing how that that is. Okay, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. Cause I've I've taken um, one yoga class in French before. And oh. Yeah, and I speak French. And at the time, I was living um, in Switzerland, and so I was fairly fluent. Like I could get along pretty well. Um, wow. But it was it was harder than I expected because like the length. Yeah, the cues were what were hard because it wasn't 
part, it wasn't a part of the language that I was used to. Um, so as much as I could speak it, I was still, it was hard for me to keep up. But the, the times where it was easier and it did translate is when they use the Sanskrit names of the poses. Yeah, yeah, oh, that, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so then I was like, okay, I know what we're doing. Like, but yeah, <laughs> as far as the cues went, it was, um, it was definitely a, more of a challenge than I expected. <laughs> And you understand French, so that's even like, <laughs> I guess that would, I would be clueless in the Japanese class. <laughs> <laughs> but like the thing with yoga is you can always like look up and see what other people are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it's very true. Always in class, I see first timers looking at the front row and just seeing like, oh, what are we supposed to do now? And yeah, there's like, yeah. yeah, you'll, they'll be in down dog or wherever they are and their heads are just like poking up, <laughs> looking around. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being in that, in that stage. Totally. It's something I take for granted too. Whenever I take like newer friends to yoga classes with me and I'll put my mat in the front row and they're like, I don't want to go there. Like, first of all, yeah. like, everybody's going to be looking up at me. But then second of all, like, who am I going to look at? <laughs> I'm like, I oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it is really hard to take yourself out of where, like, to imagine and remember how you were as a beginner, especially yeah. when something starts to become so much easier. You, sometimes you have to kind of remind yourself, like, this, was, this transition was not easy. Like, break it down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, as a teacher, the things to me that came naturally on my yoga, um, like, for example, I have really open outer hips like pigeon not not mm -hmm. frog pigeon yep. so for me to teach pigeon to someone that does not have that because I came to my mat already open with in that sense it's difficult because you have to take yourself out of your body and think like you know like how a beginner would in this pose and they're not comfortable and and it is I think it's a responsibility like it's, it's difficult yeah, it definitely is. Like being a good yoga teacher, you have to be able to be really intuitive to sense like what's going on in all the different bodies of the people in your class. Yeah. And and in some ways when like when I uh, was postpartum, I was I was feeling like, oh, this used to be easy. Like how? This is so difficult now. So it's kind of reminding me like, OK, this is what a lot of people feel when they're doing this pose. It's important to, to kind yeah. of keep that like it's almost like a like a magic thing like you're getting to peek into someone else's body for a while and you can really gain like access and advantage from it so that you can apply it later on as a teacher that's such a good point yeah I feel the same way about getting injured too I've had like a couple shoulder injuries in the past where I couldn't practice for a while and then when I came back to my mat had to like modify and be a lot more mindful and it just really got me to be more compassionate to people who don't have as mobile of shoulders or like their muscles aren't as developed so they can't hold down dog for as long without shaking like, yeah 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 that's a really good point we totally take for granted yeah that's very very true yeah and I definitely feel that in in your um teaching style and your practice as well just having taken your classes like I can feel so much compassion for your students in the way that you teach and that is definitely you know not a given like I've been to plenty of yoga classes where the teachers just don't necessarily have that connection um, yeah. and it, it makes a really big difference in the way that a student experiences a class so I love that I love that you have that because it's like you want everyone to walk into your class being able to to 
to do like to get something out of it. It it shouldn't. I feel like yoga should not be this exclusive thing. And maybe this is, you know, a, a lot of it is because of Instagram. It's like us on Instagram. We're to blame for that a little bit, where mm-hmm. we're showing all only our best. We're showing our best poses. We're showing all these things, and people see it and they're like, oh, this is crazy. This is intimidating. I can't do this. But it's important to actually like as a teacher uh, to remind that, that yoga is for everyone, whether yeah. you're inflexible, injured, whatever it is, whatever age you're at, whatever body type you have, yoga is also for you. And, it's, and as teachers, we should make it accessible to everyone. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love that you say that because it really is for everybody. And even if like all you can do is sit on your mat and breathe or be in child's pose, like that's enough. And yeah, I, if someone's coming to your vinyasa class, like, like it's, I feel like it's a responsibility to give them something they're able to do. Yeah. So they walk away with like a win and feeling good. Yeah. And I love that you kind of called out the, the whole Instagram piece as well, because like, I'm sure like people will go to your Instagram page if they haven't already. And they'll see like tons of beautiful, like stunning backbends and stunning poses. And like, it just looks so graceful and so effortless when, when you practice. And so on the one hand, it's really important to call out to them that like, it takes work to get there. It's not like, you know, everybody's body's not meant to look the same. And like, this is just one example of what yoga can look like. But I also want you to share with people like, who might go to your page and assume that you've been doing this your whole life, that you didn't have like a dance background and anything like that. Like you, you really built this practice from scratch. Yeah, I, I actually used to share a lot of progress photos when I first started because I would, I would you know, um, see like that's going to show people like the side of like, hey, I've, like I actually, I started yoga at 27 with no background whatsoever. I couldn't touch my toes. I couldn't reach the floor. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was starting from a, from a, like from nothing basically. And I think that I used to think that by sharing progress photos, putting like you know, the begin like first starting out dancer's pose with a strap and then now it's like a straight kind of needle thing. Um, I used to think that that's a way to, to show people like, hey, you can do this too. But then I realized that it's, it becomes a comparison of the dates. People start mm. to look at the dates and then they start to think, oh, like, but oh, I it'll take me that long. longer. Oh, it'll okay. take me, yeah. Or even thinking like, but it hasn't taken, I've, I've been practicing yoga for seven years and, and I, I still use a strap. So mm. I felt like it was, inaccurate to like for me personally I felt like I don't want to share progress photos anymore <laughs> for, for that reason just because I felt like it was misleading almost yeah wow so, that's a great point I hadn't thought of it like that but that's yeah that's it, really compassionate and it's ironic <laughs> it's <laughs> ironic because when I first started I used to see progress photos and feel very inspired and think oh that's great like it's possible so I think my point of this message is that it is possible but everyone has a unique time frame or a unique background a unique time that it's going to take them to be able to do something and it's incomparable yeah and again it, it's about like sometimes it's about how much time you're spending on your mat or how much you know of the physical practice you're doing and if like if that's important to you or or not like what you're prioritizing you either way like you could still practice yoga once a week and get so much out of it without having a goal of getting into like the highest variation of a pose. 
Yeah, very true. And and it's I think also it's important, like I was reading this when I first started yoga, like reading all about flexibility and how how can I change my current um, range of motion, for example. And, and I read that it's, it's not about how, like, for example, practicing three hours one day on like one, one weekday, for example, just once a week. It's about adding in these movements in your daily life so that your body starts to familiarize itself with them. And so that it's no longer this scary thing for your body to be in because your body just ultimately wants to protect you. So if you are in, you know, if you want, for example, to get your splits, but you just do it once a week, your body still thinks it's an unfamiliar position to be in. But if you do it every day and you're breathing and you're calm, that's like, oh, okay, we're safe here. Let me allow you more. Let me allow you more. It's kind of this negotiation that you have with your body. Yeah. So you're literally retraining your nervous system. Yeah. Like, yeah and a lot of us come into poses and we're like, I'm so stiff. I'm so tense. I can't do this. Even in strengthening pose, I used to, I used to do that where I would be like, I'm so weak. I can't do this. If I, if I say yeah. that in my mind, I'm not going to be able to hold my hands down. Like I, your body's going to believe what you say. Yep. So it's really important to, to be mindful of what thoughts are coming up while you're in the pose, what kind of judgment. And so that you are able to say like, whoa, this is not the truth. This is me saying that and making it true <laughs> yeah I feel like that is a, a really great piece of advice to like close on that's such a <laughs> such a good thing for people to remember is like your mind has so much so much power in, in what your body is able to do yeah your body is listening at all times yeah, always <laughs> always so one of the other things, the last things I love to uh, ask guests on this show is besides your yoga practice, what is one other wellness habit or practice that you swear by and can't live without? Um, drinking water. <laughs> that, is oh, that, that's a good that, one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hydration I, is so important. <laughs> and it's, it started with my yoga practice. And now I, I notice that if I don't drink enough water, I start to feel anxious. I start to feel tired. I start to feel... Like I have these cravings and these like mood swings and then I drink water and I'm like, oh, that was it. That was, <laughs> that was what I it. needed. Water solves so, so I carry many around problems. So many problems. I carry around this huge thing of water and I just always just sip on it and yeah, it makes everything better. <laughs> I love that. Yep. Uh, yeah, everybody listening, you should definitely stay hydrated, especially starting a yoga practice because it helps clear a lot of like the the toxins that are being released out of your body and it's it's so good for yourself. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so, for people who are listening, if they want to um follow you, learn more about you, come take a class with you or do a private lesson with you, um where where can they find out about what you're up to? So they can find out um, on my Instagram. Right now, my website is not very updated. So I'm going to update that. But on my Instagram, there's everything. Um, there's In the highlights section, there's like the workshops and the classes also are on there as well. So yeah, everything is on there. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's usually up to date. <laughs> Perfect. And so you teach um, mainly in New York, but you also travel sometimes and teach workshops as well. Yes, anywhere I go, I like to teach a workshop there and and connect with the yoga community there and and stuff. So I'm I should be ha I'm um, having workshops in north coast of Egypt in about a week almost. Um, two workshops there, and then I'm going to be going to London sometime later this year and to Paris. So I'll have workshops there as well. 
Amazing. So we'll link your Instagram information in the show notes below. So for everybody listening, I highly, highly recommend that you follow Amina because um, not only is her page so inspiring and you'll, you'll definitely be motivated by her practice, but you can stay tuned on all of her classes and, and workshops. Um, so definitely, definitely go and follow her. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Amina, and sharing your journey. I think that it's going to benefit a lot of people to hear it. And just thank you for, you know, the authenticity with which you share. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, and again, for everybody listening, make sure you subscribe to the show, subscribe for updates on my website, um, share this episode with anybody that you think would benefit from hearing it. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day. Thank you.